You're listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM. And are my ears burning? And also my beard and my hair and my whole head because I'm an Azer and their heads are on fire and it's Azers this week and that's what we're discussing. You can find the Azur on page 22 of the Monster Manual. An Azur is essentially a fire dwarf. They are native to the elemental plane of fire. They've got flames for hair and flames for beard. Uh, They're usually depicted as like shirtless and well sculpted, carrying a flaming hammer and a shield. In 5th edition, uh, there's just one stat block. They are a CR2 elemental. They're lawful neutral. They are immune to fire. They've got a heated body ability, which deals damage to you if you touch them or hit them with a melee attack. They've also got heated weapons, which deal fire damage and illumination power, and a warhammer attack. That's pretty much it. It's a basic monster. It's got kind of a basic history. It's got kind of a basic stat block. But we're going to see if we can squeeze a little bit of depth out of this seemingly very simple monster. Next, we're going to talk about the Azur's history in Dungeons & Dragons. Azur's originate in the 1983 Monster Manual 2 for 1st edition, and as you might expect, they appear pretty much the same as they do now. They are fire dwarves native to the elemental plane of fire, but they keep making the specific reference to this guy named King Amaimon, who is their ruler, but then there's no information given about him. They have fiery bodies, they wield hammers and javelins, and they specifically make a point about them having a vulnerability to cold back then, which they seem to have lost now. Hmm, I think 5th edition hates vulnerabilities. Uh, They're also described as being taciturn and unfriendly and greedy, but nonetheless sort of bound by their word, which makes sense for a lawful neutral creature. Azers have since appeared in every monster manual since then, but the lore varies quite a bit between them. So the big elephant in the room is the, like, why do they look like dwarves question, right? And that's first addressed in 3rd edition. Uh, They kind of describe it as, like, convergent evolution. Elementals that live on the elemental plane of fire, but just sort of happened to evolve these short, stocky bodies that kind of help them live underground in these heated environments. In 4th edition, the Azers were originally dwarves who were enslaved by the Ifrits and the fire giants and sort of eventually became fiery themselves to adapt to their new plane of existence. 5e reverses this in what I think is kind of the coolest interpretation of the fire dwarves yet. They are actually closer to constructs, basically animated bronze shells that these fire elementals inhabit and give sentience to. They're they're made, they're not born. And I think that's the coolest of the options, and I hope that's the one that they stick with in future editions. They've appeared in a number of settings, Forgotten Realms, Eberron, Spelljammer, but most notably in Al-Kadim. For those of you unfamiliar, Al-Kadim is a somewhat Orientalist 2nd edition D&D setting, which was inspired by 1001 Arabian Nights and this very Hollywood idea of like pre-Islamic Arabia. It has lots of problems, obviously, but it was the first place that featured Azur uh, in a source book called Secrets of the Lamp, which was all about genies. The City of Brass, which the Azur reputedly helped build, originates there in that source book. But that's the only place they really get, like, any kind of treatment beyond, like, yeah, on the elemental plane, there's dwarves, and they're on fire. 
And that's the history of the Azur. Mechanically, they've been pretty much the same, but their lore has flip-flopped a lot. And that's something we'll dive into in a little bit. Next, we're going to talk about the positive things about the Azur. What we like about this fiery monster. So, unfortunately, I have a little less to say positively about the Azur. Not that it's a poorly designed monster, it's just a very simple monster with not a lot of lore and not a lot of history, so this will be kind of a shorter section than normal. First of all, I think that the heated body ability mechanically is a nice touch. I've talked about this before, but action economy is one of 5e's biggest problems, and anytime you can upset that action economy without necessarily providing more actions to the monster is good. A monster that can do something on another player's turn is always, I think, a positive step in monster design. Rather than giving it a list of abilities the DM has to choose from each round, the more times it can interact with the encounter, the more different ways, the better. So Heated Body is a nice way to have the Azur interact with the player character on the player character's turn. So that's a plus mechanically. Secondly, I like dwarves. And this is a dwarf that has fire, and that's cool. Dwarves are good. I like dwarves. Thirdly, and more seriously, I think this lore, the 5th edition version specifically, is actually really cool and something they don't really delve into enough. There are so many good things about this idea that this inherently makes them crafters and artisans. The idea that they, that they make themselves, they make their own descendants. They don't age and they don't reproduce in the traditional way. They have to make their own descendants, their own children. It's so fascinating. It makes you wonder what are they made out of and why aren't they really constructs? And it's a way to do an elemental without necessarily falling into the trap of, like, I'm a shiftless form of fire, right? Is it the casing that provides the intelligence? Because normally a fire elemental is not that intelligent. It doesn't really have true sentience. Is it something about being bound into this shape that gives them intelligence and purpose and design? Is that why they seek to make more? It's almost like an artificial intelligence story if you do it that way, which I think is really, really fascinating. The concept of using the Azur to tell a story about self-determination, right, and a people making themselves rather than being made by some unseen force is really cool. And I think it's very smart in 5th edition to step away from the idea of these, like, inherent slave races, people that were constantly perpetually enslaved to some other force, usually giants or mind flayers. Positive change, much more interesting, much cooler and more unique. Big, big thumbs up for that lore change. I love it. Next, we're going to talk about some things that do not work as well with the Azur, at least as presented in 5th edition. Okay, first things first, we're going to start with small things, and we're going to build up to what I think is the biggest ultimate conflict. So mechanically, they have this power called Illumination, which I think is one of the worst monster powers in 5th edition. It basically just says that they shed bright light in a 10-foot radius and dim light in an additional 10 feet. Like, why is this in the monster stat block? What a waste of space. If the Azur is on fire, I think it's reasonable to assume that it makes light. There are maybe some monsters where that might be necessary, but most of the time, a Will-O-Wisp, a Flame Skull, it's going to be really obvious that it does that, and it's just a waste of space, a waste of ink in this book to constantly reprint Illumination. Thumbs down, no thanks. You could do an opposite thing, not with an Azur, with another monster that looks like it would shed light but doesn't then say that but it's obvious that they would shed light fire sheds light i don't need that spelled out for me we could have used this space to give it another cool ability but instead we just wanted to remind you that fire make light get out of here 
So the second gripe I have with the Azur is kind of a corollary to my favorite thing about them, which is their new lore. Now, don't get me wrong. I love dwarves. But if you change the lore of the Azur to say that they aren't dwarves, they're basically constructs imbued with a sentient fire elemental, then you can't really justify why they act and think and are exactly like dwarves in every other way, right? Like this is a bronze shell filled with fire, but for some reason it wants to have a beard and for some reason it wants to wield a hammer and for some reason it wants to live underground and for some reason it loves gems and earth and mining. It's just a dwarf, right? Like I love dwarves, but the concept has changed so radically that now all of a sudden it doesn't really make sense for them to just like weirdly perfectly mirror everything about dwarves. The concept of a fire element elemental steering a bronze case is so cool that it makes them just acting like dwarves feel kind of disappointing. I almost feel like you could have some Azure like that, but when you want them to maybe try different things, why would they all look exactly the same? Why would they all look like muscular little men? Feels a little bit unimaginative. And that brings us to kind of our final gripe is that the Azure are boring. Mechanically, definitely, and somewhat narratively. Narratively, they're boring for the reasons I listed, right? That they're just kind of stuck in this niche of being a fire dwarf. But mechanically, like, I look at this stat block and just nothing jumps out to me. I don't see anything in there that's like, oh, man, I can't wait to use them. They're sort of meant to feel kind of like shock troops, I think, like low CR monsters. But the problem is they're CR2 without multi-attack. You know, maybe you could use a bunch of them, but they're not like another humanoid where you could use dozens of them to make a threatening encounter. You could really only get two or three Azra into a fight before it starts to get kind of crazy. It's kind of that mummy problem where the CR is too high and too low at the same time. They're boring to run, and they're too powerful to use in huge numbers. So I think they either need more powers or they need to be lower CR, one of the two. And I would pick more powers because they just look boring right now. I'm not interested in running an Azra in my game. So what are some improvements uh, we could toy with here? Well, there's, there's a couple of things we could do. I think we could really diversify the kinds of Azur that you could make. If Azur is just a term for an elemental animating a metallic shell, then you could make a couple different kinds. What about wind or water Azur, right? You could really push out the boundaries of what this means. If you want to stay with fire, though, you could easily have the different, they make different shapes. If they make themselves, why would they constantly make the same shapes? Wouldn't there be more advantageous forms they could take to do more advantageous things? Almost more like Warforged, where they have different forms for different functions. You could really push out the walls on what it means to be an Azur if all you're saying is that an Azur is a fire elemental in a metallic shell, which I think is great and we should do. I would say mechanically give them like a rejuvenation power. I would lose illumination and in its place I would give them rejuvenation. Basically, if they take fire damage, they recover hit points, could maybe even be reignited, right? If they if they reduce to zero hit points. They just fall into their casing. But if the fire reignites them, then they could come back and, and regain their intelligence, right? If the intelligence is contained in the armor and not in the fire. So it gives them this interesting, like, you could deactivate them and then reawaken them later, right? Not only interesting mechanically, but also narratively, right? This Azur has been defunct for however long when it was extinguished 100 years ago. What does it remember? What was the last thing it was doing? Who extinguished it and why? So that would be my mechanical change. And then lastly, I would just delve into their culture a little bit more. Why do they make more? What do they want? Rather than just saying, oh, they love the earth and dwarf stuff. What is a fire elemental about? What does it want? Why does it exist? This is basically a creature that is not normally sentient, that has been given sentience, and they just don't touch that at all in the lore. Instead, wanting to talk a lot about how they were enemies of the Efreet and how they're masters of metal and gems, which, you know, fine, but is that actually interesting that they're masters of metal and gems? I want to know more about their culture and how they live. 
the concept of a culture that doesn't give birth to its descendants, what makes them, is so cool, but it gets almost no space in the lore. And that's it. That's the Azur. That is the end of our A monsters. So we have done the Aarakocra, the Aboleth, the Angel, the Animated Object, the Ankhag, and the Azur. Next up comes the B monster, starting with the Shrieking Wailing Banshee. That'll be next time on Monster of the Week. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Go soak your head, and happy adventuring. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at XPWebSeries. And if you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. For $1 a month, you get access not only to early episodes of this show, but also to brand new homebrew monsters every weekday. You can find us at patreon.com slash XPWebSeries. That's the letters XPWebSeries. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>